Amen. You may be seated. I'm Pastor Dan, and uh, I'm the children's pastor here at Desert Springs, and I'm usually upstairs teaching one of the kids' classes. Uh, most services, not all, most, but can we just treat this like a big classroom? So if I ask a question, you just answer the question. Can we do that? Yeah. All right. So um, I want to talk about Jonah, the runaway prophet. And we're going to be talking a little bit about disobedience, a little bit about rebellion. Jonah, the runaway prophet. And this series is the pursuit of us, that our God pursues after a relationship with us. And uh, that's what we're going to see in Jonah's life, and hopefully uh, you can see that in your life as well. Let's start with this. No, no, no. No, I don't want to, I'm not going to, and you can't make me. Oh, who, who could say that? Who could that be? What do you think? What's that? Sounds like Jonah. Before we get to Jonah, who else could it be? Yeah, it could be us could be us I think of the times in my life when I did not necessarily want to do what God had for me some hard things how about uh, I thought about these could be a youngster how many of you have youngsters in the home right now little ones maybe under four there you go all right youngsters could be uh, an elementary student and one of the joys right now in uh, my wife and I in our lives is my daughter Susanna and my son-in-law Ty, love him very much, are living with us. So Susanna had Marcus, and Marcus, our grandson, is eight and a half months old. And it's really a joy as a little one over here to see these little ones grow up and mature and learn about life. And, but what's been very interesting is you watch these little ones and it's, it's like an aha moment for them when they realize that they have a will. <laughs> oh, they make choices. And for example, you feed the little guy the applesauce. It's my applesauce, by the way. He eats my applesauce. And you can't spoon it in fast enough. You know, He's eating the applesauce. But as a parent, that applesauce, sugar and apples, you know, not, not be the best. So you want to get some of those green things in with the applesauce. So you mix them together. One spoonful, a little applesauce, a little, little green beans. Put that in. You get what? You get the face. You get the face. But then you think you're a really sneaky parent. No applesauce, just green beans. And you put in the green beans and you get, and they spit it out. They learn, these little ones learn that they have a will. Uh, no, no, no. As I thought about this, probably the first person I thought of teenagers. Teenagers. Because in one sense, we as parents want our children to grow 
and learn to make good decisions. So we try to empower them, give them the opportunity to make good decisions, but they don't always make good decisions. Sometimes they say no to something that they should do. Could be an adult, could be here in the church, could be at work, could be in any situation that you deal with on a daily basis or weekly basis where someone says no. But Q was right over on the other side there. This is about Jonah the prophet. And he tells God no. Why? Why does Jonah run from the Lord and not take the message to Nineveh? Well, uh, I've gotten back feedback from this already so I, I know none of you probably do this but here, here's your assignment we're going to divide this group up into two teams just to be simple we have the men and the women men let's hear it for you alright men you're on one team ladies you're on the other team okay and your assignment is you're going to get 100 points for every answer that you email to me on the correct answer for why is Jonah running from the Lord, refusing to take the message to Nineveh. You've got to look ahead in the book, all right? So this is, this is a trick, okay, <laughs> to get you to look into the book a little further See why Jonah is running from the Lord, why he refuses to take the message that God gives to him. So my email is up there, dan at dscchurch.com, and just send me your answer. I've already got one answer. The one answer that I got was from a fella, and it was incomplete. So this is your opportunity, 100 points per answer. I'll tally those up and let you know your answers must be in by Friday at midnight. All right? So get your answer in. Let's see what you think. You've got to read ahead. Why does Jonah run away from the Lord and not take the message? Pastor Steve, two weeks ago, introduced our series, and he uh, covered verses 1 and 2. So just a quick review. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it because their wickedness has come up before me. So the pursuit of us, and last week Pastor Steve got to be the positive guy. God has a will for us. He's got a plan for us. He's got a desire for us. How do I know and follow the will of God? Fill in the blank. God has a... I couldn't hear you plan for me for you God does he has a plan for us and how do I know the will of God how do I follow his plan uh, God's plan for you is that you become like like Jesus like Jesus that was very clear God wants us to be like his son so he wants us to become like him so God's plan is that we become like Jesus. And this is really interesting because we mostly focus on the things. 
you know, the actions, the do this, don't do this. But God's will for you is more about who you, who you become than what you do. God's very concerned about the people that we become. He used the example of, I will make you to become fishers of men. Not just the action of sharing the gospel and witnessing and seeing people believe and follow after Jesus, but actually becoming that kind of person that is sharing. So God's plan is that we become like Jesus. And this will become important in this message, especially as we look further into Jonah's life. The tension, what does he want me to do as we seek him, as we go to God and seek his will, God's, that tension is primarily to push us to God, to want to build that relationship with him. He is pushing us to him so that we have a relationship with him, so that we know what he wants us to do, so that we are becoming like his son in our lives so that is the review now we get to Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 let's read it together alright if you're using a different version let's read it off the screen right here let's read it together but Jonah rose up let's read it together here we go but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord so he went down to Joppa found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. All right, so what I want to do is I want to look at two perspectives from this verse. The first perspective is pretty straightforward. We're going to look at the verse, see what it says from Jonah's perspective. Then we're going to look at the perspective of God. God's perspective of Jonah. All right? So, Jonah rose up to obey? No, shake your head like this. Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You know, if you take out that but Jonah, it almost sounds like he is rising up to obey, but no, he is not rising up to obey. He is rising up to disobey. Rather than taking the message that God gives to him, heading to Nineveh, 500 miles this way, he decides that he is going to disobey what God has given him to do. So he heads in the opposite direction, exactly opposite to the west to Joppa. And there as he gets to Joppa, this area of, of Phoenicia known for its sailors, he finds a ship. And it's like, woohoo! Found a ship! And it's going the opposite way! What good luck! You know, folks, it's really dangerous to base your decisions about the will of God on circumstances. Really dangerous. Because here's a ship, oh, it must be God's will. Okay? No, that is not God's will for you, Jonah. You are heading 
2,500 miles to Tarshish in the wrong direction. And two times in this verse, it says what? From the presence of the Lord. How many of you have teenagers? Got teenagers? Sometimes your teenagers just do not want to be near you. <laughs> they want to be away from you. They do not want your instruction. They do not want to hear what dad has to say. They don't want to be in your presence. They just want to be in their room and they close the door and boom, that's it. Or they want to leave, right? That's Jonah at this point with God. Jonah doesn't want to be with God. Maybe he had the far-fetched ideas that some people had of those days that you could actually get out of the area and that's God's area is in Israel. And if I get out of Israel, then he's not powerful anymore. You know, it's like the, he's the God of the hills, but we're, our God is the God of the valleys. We can do that. That sense might be part, partly true here. So Jonah disobeys to flee from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's perspective is I have a will and I can disobey. Even though God has provided me, God has called me, God has used me in the past, now I am going to disobey. Disobedience is deliberately not doing what someone in authority tells you to do. We've all experienced this. Someone in authority over, this, over us says, do this. Disobedience is not doing that. That's pretty straightforward. But as you read this in the book of Jonah, it really, don't you get the sense that it's more than simple disobedience? I think you'll see that because I think it's really made clear that it is rebellion against God. And rebellion is disobedience stemming from the heart over a period of time. And we begin to see this in our households too sometimes. Disobedience happening several times. And it's coming from a heart that does not want to obey. It wants to rebel. And that's the situation with Jonah. He's not only disobedient, he is rebelling against God. And I want to teach you something that I've been learning about and I've been trying to put into practice and remember in my life each day. And this can really help you, all right? The three things in life that I want to call to uh, focus on, these three things we have control over. We have control over our actions. We teach the children this all the time. Here's the Bible story, here's the lesson. You can choose this or you can choose this. You make a choice. 80% of our application is make a good choice, all right? Pretty straightforward. Children can understand that. We all make choices. But we don't always think about what the consequences of those choices are. We're happy to make the choice, if, especially if it benefits us, but we don't always look to see what the responsibility for that choice is. 
but we can make choices. A little bit harder for children to understand, but I'm sure all of you will understand it, and that is that there are things that happen in our lives that we did not choose. Other people make choices around us that affect us. Sometimes people make choices around us and they are directly affect you because they were done to you. And that becomes very hard. And we can begin to question God. But the point that we emphasize with the children is that you can choose your attitude, your perspective, and how you respond to those other things that happen. But that's much harder. How do I change my attitude? It's a little more difficult than I simply say yes or I say no. But I choose joy when something hard happens. I choose forgiveness when someone has hurt me. Those are harder. So we can choose our attitudes and our actions. But this third thing, folks, we don't often think about. We also get to choose who we trust. You can trust certain people or not trust them. And this day, in our culture, it's really important for us to discern who we trust. So we want children to know that it's important who they trust, and they should trust God and his word. But at this point in Jonah's life, Jonah is not trusting God. He's trusting himself. He's trusting in his own feelings. I don't feel good about this, so I'm going to disobey and I'm going to rebel against God. Even though I'm his prophet, even though he's used me in the past, even though he's taken care of me in the past, I don't want to take this message. So I'm saying, no, I don't want to. No, I won't. And no, <laughs> we know the rest of the story. You can't make me. That's what he's saying. But let's take a minute and not think about Jonah's perspective, but God's perspective. From God's perspective, God knows that his calling upon Jonah's life, being a prophet, is not an easy calling. Prophets were given specific messages from God. That's why we often read in the prophets, Thus saith the Lord. The, the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, so God reveals whether it's, you know, through dreams, through visions, for direct revelation, through angels, God reveals the message to the prophet. And prophets really had two main responsibilities. Fourth, F-O-R-T-H, fourth telling, just sharing the message. And for, F-O-R-E, foretelling about something that was going to happen either in the near future or distant future. A prophetic message. This will happen. But we have trouble re relating to prophets. <laughs> you know? 
But remember that the prophetic word that they were often given was one of warning, one of judgment upon sin, and one that was often uh, one that had consequences for the prophet himself. Persecution or even torture the prophet could be facing. We understand much more fully in our American mindset the, the father-son idea. A son who represents the father. It's as if the dad says, Hey, son, I got something I need you to do. The son says, uh, What is it, dad? <laughs> and you explain what it is, and the son says, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And if you try to force me to do that, I'll just hide out in my room, play my video games, or I will just head over to my friends and I'm out of here. Folks, it can actually get worse than that. And I thought about the perspective of God because I think I know how God felt when his prophet Jonah told him, no, I will not. Because in 2001, I failed on many levels. And my 13-year-old son did not want to do what I wanted him to do, what my wife and I wanted him to do. And he disobeyed, and he rebelled, and it came to a head and we got into a fight, a literal, physical fight. And I am so regretful of that. After that fight, he left. So my son was not the runaway prophet, but he was the runaway son. And those next three days, were three of the hardest days in my entire life. My heart was broken. And I think Jonah, turning from the Lord, saying no, 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 and fleeing away from God, actually was breaking God's heart. So God, in verse 4 and following, pursues after Jonah to restore that relationship now we already talked about God's will God's plan for us is that we become like Jesus and Jesus we see throughout scripture throughout his life through everything that we know about Jesus was the perfect obedient son we see that in Luke chapter 2 when Mary and Joseph were just learning about who their son was and they still had not figured it out. They bring him down to Jerusalem for the feast. He's sitting with the leaders and talking and asking them questions. Their caravan, their group leaves and then they realize that Jesus is not with them. They return to get him and they find him. And can you imagine that discussion? <laughs> and Jesus tries to explain to them, I need to be doing what my father God the Father wants me to do. And Joseph is like, son, we got to go. 
And then we read, and he continued to be subject to them. All right, let's go. And he obeys. A couple chapters later, as Jesus begins his ministry, and the devil comes to Jesus and tempts him with a, a, a uh, detour to the will of God for him. If you just do this, if you just do this, if you just do this, you will have the glory that you would have in the end, but you can shortcut by doing this. And Jesus says, no, it is written. I must obey the Father and what he has given me in the word. No, I will not obey you. I will obey the Father. And then in Luke 22, as Jesus is praying, he just in anguish says, God, is there another way? But then he submits himself completely and wholly and absolutely to God's plan for the coming days. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. So see, God has a plan for each of us. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why Jesus fulfilled all righteousness to be able to die for us in our place as our substitute. The perfect son came and took the place on the cross and took our disobedient, rebellious sins on himself so that we could believe in him. And folks, if you've never yet believed in Jesus as your Savior, you need to do that. That is really the beginning of God's plan for you as he pursues you and wants to have a relationship with you. I also want to talk a little bit about how to deal with rebellion. How to deal with rebellion. Um, many of us, most of us have probably found ourselves wronged or placed under unjust rule or unjust stipulations, uh, boundaries, and we had questions we wanted to confront and the option is, do I just disobey? Do I grumble and complain? Do I backbite and start and gossip over here? Well, rather than those things, let's talk about how to properly appeal to authority. Because we all have it. And it's really important. Because it can happen on the job, it can happen in the church, it can happen in the home. And that's what I want to talk about, the home. Just as an example, we taught our children how to appeal to us as parents. Any of you parents out there? Parents? Okay, this is great for you. You need to know this. Any of you kids out there? Kids? All right? Yeah, this is very helpful. And if your parents don't get this, just say, hey, you got to watch Pastor Dan's message. It, it gives me an option. And it, it allows me to appeal every time, every time, every time I can appeal the decisions. And you watch it, and then you say, no, that's not what he said. <laughs> you missed a large portion of what he was trying to say. But here's the process that my wife and I, Angelina, taught our children. We make a decision for the children, and if they have a disagreement with that decision, 
we taught them to respectfully come to us to raise their hand and simply say these three words may I appeal and that is them recognizing our authority as parents we can make those decisions but they are saying can we suggest an alternative to your decision so we then as parents have two options I can say no Angelina and I have made that decision and it is firm and we are not changing that decision that's one choice but seeing our, our son or daughter come with a suggestion we could also say yes you may appeal and at that point we taught our children a very important thing when we said yes you can appeal it's not yes you can just not do it but yes you can make an alternative suggestion rather than this as the discipline I would suggest this rather than this as the answer to our question I would suggest this so when we said yes we would often respond based on the situation yes you may appeal what is your suggestion and then they are able to make a suggestion and we would evaluate that whether that was appropriate or not very very important so great thing to teach your children okay now that appeal process can also help with this because dealing with rebellion in the home is dealing with disobedience before it becomes a, a matter of the heart that's repeated again and again and it heads off the rebellion because the appeal process allows there to be a dialogue a conversation and it keeps communication open so then my son or daughter has a disagreement with me they can voice that disagreement and we can talk about it the end result might still be the same from us as parents but now we have given our son or daughter the opportunity to voice their concerns and we keep the communication open and that's very very important it's also very important that they feel like they can deal with an issue right away rather than putting it on the back burner and just letting it simmer and and it doesn't usually solve itself dealing with the issues promptly rather than later and this particular uh, idea of discipline from a place of relationship I use all the time and all of you here today can use this in your lives whether it be at the job whether it be in the church whether it be in the family deal with things from a position a place of relationship now folks as I think about my runaway son I failed on all three counts I failed to keep good communication I failed to keep current on things that needed to be already dealt with and it led to a blow up and a huge problem and I did not discipline from a place of relationship if I would have kept that closeness with my son that blow up probably would not have happened 
So folks, when I kind of sense that I have a problem with someone in the church, at another job, at home, in the neighborhood, it's good to build that relationship. And it can be as simple as going to a person and, hey, let's grab a soda. Hey, can we talk about that thing? I, I sense that there was a little bit of disagreement on, on our parts between us. And then you're able to keep the communication open. You're beginning to deal with it, not putting it off. And you're trying to build that relationship with the other person rather than just, you know, making a decision. Boom, here it is. Deal with it. Sorry. And you're not. But discipline or settle things from a place of relationship. You know, folks, hopefully we talked about the gospel and Hopefully you have believed in Jesus. But just because you have a relationship with God through Jesus does not mean that right now you are in a close relationship with Him. There could be problems going on between you and God right now. It happens. But those three things can also be used between us and God to build and keep our relationship with Him. So keep your communication open with God. Talk to him about it. Tell him what you're struggling with. Pray to him. Look at his word. If it's on a particular subject, see what God's word says about that particular thing. Learn what God has already said. And if it's still a struggle, you might need to call in a godly counselor, friend, someone that can help you to think through your perspective and God's perspective. Just like Jonah and God today. Try to deal with things sooner rather than later. It's very true in marriage. It's hard to let things sit. Deal with things right with God sooner rather than later. And then the last thing, Folks, we need to all keep in mind that God had a relationship with Jonah. He was going to pursue Jonah no matter what. And from chapter 1, verse 4, through most of the rest of the book, God is pursuing Jonah. And we need to remember that, that God wants to have a relationship with us. So God is going to pursue us. But why? He wants the best for us and for his overall plan. He doesn't bring things into our lives to knock us down because that's fun. He brings things into our lives so that we are pushed to him and build our relationship with him. So folks, today, right over here, we have a prayer banner. And if something's wrong between you and God and you need to talk with someone about it, pray with someone, you can just head right over there. and Make things right today. Don't put it off. And realize all the things that happen to us, God is building those relationships between us and Him. Let's pray together.